Okay, so just a quick notice. Uh, good morning, everybody. Very nice to see everybody here. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm part of the leadership. Uh, good first part of the church plant leadership. Um, it's really nice to see everybody. Uh, I've had a great Christmas uh, with family, but really, really happy to be back in Gothenburg um, and ready for what God is going to do in 2019. That's the one. That's the one. Made um, it. Just before we... Uh, we open our Bibles. Um, the notice that I was going to share that um, Nina asked me to is about prayer week. Uh, so this week, we often, at the beginning of a semester or a year, have a week where we dedicate uh, to prayer. Uh, we're passionate about prayer in the church plant. We always have been and we always will be. Uh, we believe it's very important. Um, and so this week, I, we're going to have a, a week of prayer. And it's going to start in today and basically pray whenever you want and however you want. Um, there's going to be a few like official things that we'll be doing. So Tuesday night small group will be uh, focusing around prayer this week. The Wednesday night small group will also be focusing around prayer. And then we'll have a Saturday uh, evening prayer meeting as well. And so those are the things that we'll be doing. And they'll be out on social media over the next couple of days. Um, but yeah, so we're going to start off with prayer um, as we look forward to everything that God is going to be doing with us and through us this year. The last Sunday of, uh, that we met last year, uh, there wasn't loads of people here, but the ones that were here had an opportunity to share about God's faithfulness in 2018. And it's just, it really is, this is no exaggeration, the best Sunday of the year for me. Uh, we heard story after story of people saying, this is what God has been faithful to for me. And it's just brilliant. I, didn't, uh, I will often prompt people to say, hey, if no one shares something, can you come up and share something? Uh, I'll often do that, but this time I didn't. I decided, let's just see what happens. And it was brilliant. Pe one after another, people just came up and shared, this is what God has done. This is what God has done. This is what I'm thankful for. This is what I'm thankful for. Such a privilege to be part of God's family and see the faithfulness of God. And I, for one, am really excited already for that Sunday in 2019, the last Sunday of the year. Because I know, I, I don't even need to think, oh, I, don't, I wonder if God will be faithful this year. I know 100% God will be faithful yeah. because he's a faithful God. Yeah. And it's so important that as we go into the year, we know that with full confidence, God is going to move. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go exactly how we think. <coughs> doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be perfect. But God is faithful yeah. and he is always, always good. Yes. And so... Um, I look for, I'm really looking forward to this year. I think it's going to be great. And what we're going to start off today with is an encouragement. I would often, uh, the beginning of a year or the beginning of a semester, I would often perhaps do like a vision talk, perhaps go back into the Old Testament and say, hey, this is what we're going for. Battle up, courage, let's go for it. And I think they're great, and I probably will do one next year. Uh, but this year, I thought I'd do something slightly different. And I want to talk um, more, uh, um, I want to encourage us on something that I think we're really good at and something that I think we can get even better at. And it would just so happen that it's fallen very nicely in our series on John to what I want to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, please do turn to John chapter 13. As a church, we are really passionate about the Bible. So every Sunday, if you're a visitor here, you will hear, uh, you will hear a preach, a word from the Bible because we believe that it's God's word, it's profitable, it's, it's useful for teaching. And so we open it up and we see what has God got to say to us today. And so it's John 13 today that we will be looking at. And really, 
traditionally the book of John is kind of split into two main main parts and we've we've really finished the per- first part of the book of John and John uses the first part of the book to show people who Jesus really is and that's why we've called our sermon series real Jesus which you can't <laughs> see here <laughs> it's, no it's not you it's me um, because we want to see who the real Jesus was it was was he just a nice guy was he just a moral teacher was he just this you know you know guy with a bit of charisma and John through the through many different ways through talking about signs through talking about the I am statements as we've all seen we see no Jesus wasn't just a nice guy he was God became flesh and we saw that, and it's just, uh, it's just been brilliant going through, this is who Jesus is. This is who we worship. This is who God has sent his son, it's Jesus, who is God. And, we've, and John does that through the first part. The, and it's happening over a much wider, longer period of time. The second part of the book is happening over a very, very short period of time. And it's the time leading up to Jesus' death. It's the time when the writer says the hour has come. Jesus' death warrant has been signed. He is going to the cross. And so John zooms in for really until the end of the book now. uh, And he zooms into Jesus talking to his disciples, talking to his friends, his followers, about, hey, these are some really, really important things. And it leads up to the crucifixion. And we're really starting the second part of that book today in John chapter 13. And we're going to read uh, from verse 1, which will be on the board uh, behind. I'm going to be reading from the NIV in my very small Bible. (laughs) It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, hands, head and everything as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. And we can skip on to uh, verse 34. 
A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Okay, so we've got really a pretty standard scene at this time of year. We've got Jesus with his friends eating food. And if you've read the Gospels before you will know that Jesus likes to eat food with his friends. And so there's not, on the face of it, not necessarily anything super uncommon, unusual about what is going on here, except there is. Because this is the last time that Jesus will be in a setting like this with his friends. And interestingly, I'm not sure if it was Alid or I who spoke right at the beginning of John. We spoke about John is very different to the other Gospels. It has lots of different stories. To, you'll see one story in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, uh, Matthew, Mark and Luke, and you won't find that in John. Well, this Last Supper, this mealtime, actually is found in all four of the Gospels because it is important. And so this isn't just a standard meal with Jesus. There is something else happening here. It is his last meal with his disciples. And commonly, what would happen... Back in the day, in the Middle East, when they didn't have Nike trainers or Adidas trainers or Lacoste trainers or whatever brand you wear, they would have sandals on that would get, uh, which would mean your feet would get dirty. And so quite commonly, uh, the host would organise the servant of the household to wash the people, the guests' feet, to wash the people's feet who were coming for a meal. And for some reason, in this story, that had not been done. And so everyone was sitting around the table just starting to finish food, and they would have had quite dirty feet. You can imagine, well, maybe it's challenging to imagine living in Gothenburg, but those from Brazil or slightly warmer countries, Zimbabwe, will understand what sun does to dirt. It dries it out. It makes it dusty. We don't really understand that coming from the UK or from Sweden. So people would have had dirty, dusty feet. And of course there was no sewage systems back then. So the likelihood of real dirt on your feet was very, very high. And so it was a nice thing for the guests to organise their servant to wash away the feet. Uh, wash away the dirt off the feet. Not to wash away the feet. But for some reason it didn't happen this time. Not told why, but it didn't happen. Jesus, as the meal is coming to an end, gets up from the meal, takes off his outer clothing, wraps a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin, and begins to wash the disciples' feet. This is absolutely massive. Because it wouldn't just be the top servant's job to do this. We're not talking about the top servant. We're talking about the lowest of all servants' job would be to wash the feet of the guests. We're talking about the non-Jewish servant, the one that's basically worth nothing. They would be the one that would wash the feet of the guests. Yet Jesus takes off his outer garments, ties a towel around his waist, pours water into a basin and begins to wash 
people's, his disciples, his friends' feet. This is absolutely massive and so, so important that we see this. This is real Jesus. This is who Jesus is. This is a glimpse of Jesus as the servant king. It really is unthinkable. The, in, in, the, in, in those times, there would often be a disciple following, or a few disciples following around a teacher. Now, the disciples would learn from teachers, but the teacher, it, would, it was not expected for the teacher to say, and you should wash my feet. Even that was below. That wasn't right. So the disciples shouldn't wash the teacher's feet. So how unthinkable is it that the teacher, the leader, Jesus, decides to wash his disciples' feet? It's completely unheard of. It's completely unthinkable. And if we go back to the beginning of John, John chapter 1, you don't need to turn there, it just says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We found out that the Word is Jesus. Jesus was in the beginning. God, creator. He tabernacled, he came down to earth. God takes on form. Jesus, he becomes man, baby, as we've celebrated over the last month or so. He becomes a baby, God. And what does he, does he, does he go around in his, you know, like, holier than thou attitude and you know, you all need to, you know, like, love me all the time and you, you serve me all the time. No, he becomes a servant. It's absolutely massive. It's so, so important that we see this because this is a different type of leader. It's a different type of leader to what we see in the world today. It really is. And so for us to get our mind around this, God became man. Did he lord it? No, he became a servant. The least of all servants as well. He took on that role. So important that we see that. In Philippians Two, God's Electric Power Company, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, if you want to find it. Philippians 2, it says this. God's, God's, I'll say it again because I see, I see a lot of shock. God's Electric Power Company, G-E-P-C, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's how, I, that's how I find Philippians every time. I find it very helpful. He, Paul says this very, very helpfully about who Jesus is, and a number of us will know this scripture. Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. God comes down to earth as a man, and then in this situation he he serves as he is a servant. It's It's just this incredibly beautiful picture of Jesus. And this is the first thing I want us to see. This is real Jesus. God becomes a servant. And we see why. It says right at the beginning why. It's all out of love. It's because he has loved. What does he do? He serves. Because he loves, he serves. It's just this incredible picture of who Jesus was. And it's not like he just kind of like does a little bit of a show, a little bit of a demonstration, like, okay, I love you guys. Here, I wash your, you know, wash your feet and sprinkle some water. He's thorough. He, he, he takes some clothes off, he puts a towel around, he pours water. He is going to do a proper job. Not because he's doing some sort of like demonstration of, oh, I'm a humble God. But actually because he actually is a servant. He takes on the form of, uh, 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 of a servant. It's just incredible. And a couple of reasons why that I just want to quickly touch on 
first of all, he does it because he's symbolising what he will do. So he's obviously physically washing the dirt off the disciples' feet. But this is a symbolic thing as well, because he's saying, one day, very, very soon, I will wash away the dirt of sin in your lives. So this is symbolic element to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, yep, yeah, yeah, okay, it's practical, yeah, I'm actually doing it, but one day. And we, and we understand that because P- Peter, Peter's this guy who just says things. Like he's, I think we all know one, perhaps some of us are them. You did, before you think, you speak, it's, like, it's out there. And Peter's one of these guys. And, you know, and he's like, oh, you shall not wash my feet, Jesus. Like thinking, it just comes out there. And then actually Jesus says to him, unless, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. This is more than just a practical feet washing. This is a symbolic thing about what Jesus is going to do. And then Peter goes, well, he's like, oh, not just my feet, my head, my body, give me a bath. Let's go for it, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, calm down, Peter. It's brilliant. I love the disciples. They're so like us. But it's this symbolic washing away of sin that Jesus is about to accomplish through his death and resurrection. Uh, secondly, he, <clears throat> he does it as an example to us, to them and to us. And he says, uh, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He does it as an example to us. Earlier on, or in a different gospel, in Luke, we see the same uh, mealtime, same story, um, and two of the disciples are arguing about who's going to be greatest. And you can see it in Luke 22. Who is going to be greatest? Me, you, who's going to be greatest? And it's in that setting that Jesus gives this example. In, this, in the backdrop of who's going to be greatest, what does Jesus do? The greatest... He washes people's feet. There's a new understanding of greatness. There's a new understanding of greatness in the kingdom of God. It's not about being the best. It's about taking on the role that no one else wants to take on. He said, this is true greatness. And so he, 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 he's doing it as an example to the disciples. Don't argue about who's being greatest, who's, who's the best at this and the best at that. This is what you should do. This is what greatness is. Yeah. Is serving. It's becoming a servant. You've got it all wrong. Again, the disciples, surprisingly, have got it all wrong. Like us, a lot of the time. He's saying, you've got it all wrong. Become a servant. And this, this is kingdom living. And I'm convinced about that. We absolutely, we want to see more of the presence of God. We want to see... We, you know, we want to see God's kingdom come. And I believe part of that is becoming more servant-hearted. It's kingdom living. The king does it. It's part of being a disciple. If you follow Jesus, he says, great, serve. Great music going on in the other room. <laughs> Who wants to be through there? <laughs> so his, yeah, I mean, his entire les- life was a lesson to us. This is an example. And so let's look at some examples. Let's, ha- let's see how we can follow Jesus' example. And could you maybe click on? The first thing that I want to bring our attention to... <coughs> Guys, excuse me. Reload. 
the first thing I want us uh, to look at is that uh, we need to be aware of our identity. If we want to follow Jesus, if we want to follow his example, if we want to become more like Jesus, if we want to take on this role of serving, we need to first of all understand our identity. Because Jesus understood his identity. He understood also his authority. And you can see in John 13, uh, verse 3, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So this is the authority that Jesus has. All things are under his power. That's the authority. The Father has given all things under his power. And then, the, uh, and then it goes on to his identity, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he's aware of authority, he's aware of identity. He knows who he is. He knew. All authority. Come from God, going to God. And from that position of authority, not from a position of weakness, not from a position of being bullied, from a position of all things under his name, given to him by the Father, he serves. And we need to understand this. As a Christian, our identity is absolutely fundamental. We need to understand, first of all, that it's not what we do, but it's who we are. And this is so different to what we're told in basically everywhere else, the media, work, wherever. People will say, you know, you're this person, you know, this is your profession, therefore you're this person. Actually, the, 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 the Bible says this is who you are first, before you've achieved anything, any sort of anything. This is who you are. You're dead. And then because of Jesus, you're given an identity. And the identity is this. John chapter 1, you can continue reading it. Again, you don't need to turn to it. But to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you've believed in Jesus' name, then he has given you the right to become children of God. So what is our identity before we do anything? Child of God. Jesus knew his identity and he acted. We need to understand our identity before we act. And our identity is this, it's child of God. So as we, as we look forward to a new year, it can be very tempting to start thinking about, okay, you know, the top New Year's resolutions or whatever, I'm going to be, I'm going to, God's going to love me so much this year because I'm, you know, he's, I'm really going to earn his love. It's the wrong way of thinking about it. We need to understand that God is 100% in love with us already because we're his child. And nothing we can do is going to improve that or disprove it. He loves us. He loves us. We're children of God. Get that. This is New Year's Resolution 1 to 100. Children of God. That is our identity. So important to understand this, to get this. So out of that position of identity, being aware of who he was, he served. And so when we've understood our identity, we get to serve. It's not to, it's not to get God's love, it's because of who we are, children of God. And so, quite simply, wash one another's feet. 
This is what he said. He said, wash one another's feet. Do as I have done. Wash one another's feet. And again, this is really very countercultural. Very countercultural. Because culture says... Excuse me. <coughs> culture says, you should be served. That's what culture says. If you're not served, get out. And that can be in marriage. You know, if, if, if your spouse isn't giving you everything you need, then it's probably time to find a newer one or an older one or a more wealthy one. If you're not getting served, get out. I, I've recently heard more and more stories about people going for interviews and the interviewer almost becomes the interviewed. And the inter they start saying, OK, well, you know, we can offer you this and we can offer you this pension plan and we can give you a year off if you served with us for 10 years. And, and it's almost like the person who's going for the job interview is getting served by the person who actually is taking the interview. Because we live in a culture that, you know, you have to be served. It's all about you. It's all about number one. Unfortunately, it's even cre this, this creeps into the church. Where people just like... They just go around different churches hoping to be served. What can I get from this? And perhaps they stick around for a little while and then they hear the leadership or someone else. Like they get upset with someone because someone's been not very nice to them because we're human and we make mistakes. And instead of trying to restore the relationship or, or follow the leadership, they think, well, I'm not getting served anymore. Let's start, I'll go and find a different church. And it's, it's just it's so sad. There's so, so many people out there who are just jumping around churches because they're not getting served so it's time to move on to the next one is the culture has come in even to the church there's more there's more examples but we live in a culture that says you deserve to be served you're the best well this is what jesus says about the church in matthew 5 he says you are the light of the world you are a city on a hill you're going to be different. That's what he says about the church. He says, you're going to shine. Everyone will see you on that hill. Everyone will see you in that dark place. You're going to be different. And so that means there's going to be different ways that we behave. And one of those differences to the culture is that we get the opportunity to serve even when it doesn't get us anything in return apart from maybe dirty hands nothing good in return we get the opportunity to serve it's the very 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 heart of the gospel Jesus came to serve he became a servant not just a one off serving example here in John 13 he became the servant coming down to earth, all the way through his life he served, healing, teaching, giving people food, all the time he was serving. Here in the meal, he served. And then of course the greatest act of service was on that cross. When he served us, when he became a servant in our place. Where he said, you, God said, you've all fallen short of the glory. None of you can reach up to me. I need to send my servant. And Jesus goes to the cross in our behalf, the greatest act of servant-heartedness, and takes our sin, takes our punishment. 
We all deserve death. None of us in here are perfect. None of us. So Jesus serves. It's the heart of the gospel. And so my encouragement to us as a church in 2019 is to serve. Is to become a church that is even better at serving. Now I have to say I believe we're very good at this already. It's a well done church. But I want to get even better. I want us to look at Jesus and go, okay, that is what serving is. That is the level of serving we're looking for. What Jesus, how he, how he served. There's, um, there's a phrase in the New Testament uh, which occurs 59 times, and that is one another. And if Emma would like to put it up, I hope people have passed their uh, eye tests recently. Well, this is the amount of times that one another comes up in the New Testament. I didn't do it so you could read it. It's just an example of how many times it is. Jesus has called us to be part of his church. And in his church, we are together. We one another. We're not just supposed to turn up on a Sunday morning to church and that's it. It's a family thing. We're part of family. So not even just Tuesday night and Wednesday night small groups. Please, if you're not involved with the small group, get involved with the small group. It, that's church. That's family. But I'm saying it's even bigger than that. It's coffee shops. It's, it's football matches. It, it's wherever. Libraries. Parks. It is everywhere. Church is, is, is all of life. It's being part of a family. And this one anothering, this loving one another is so fundamental. It's so part of who we are as family, as church. And I believe really the root of that, a lot of that is to do with serving. You can't one another, you can't help one another if one of you doesn't serve the other. We need to be willing to serve each other. So that's what Jesus, as his like last, you know, last few hours on earth, he's saying, serve one another. Be like me. One another, one another, one another. A whole life of service. Andy Stanley, who's an American author, uh, business leader, church leader, he says that the primary activity of the church is to one another. And I believe within that, serving holds such a key place. Serve one another. And so this is our encouragement for 2019. And I'm going to be slightly unhelpful perhaps and I'm not going to give you a list of 10 things that you need to do to serve because I don't think that is Jesus's point now Jesus does say wash people's feet and some people would take that very literally and so there'll be some churches that where the leaders will wash the, the members of the church's feet um, and Alid has volunteered but we can't <laughs> which is brilliant <laughs> um, I, I, I actually think Great, that's fine, that's fine. But I believe that Jesus is talking on a whole different level. He's not talking about an event once a month or once a year or however often they do it. He's talking about a lifestyle of being a servant. And so I'm not going to give the top ten reasons and the top ten tips for how you can serve and, you know, so we can tick that one off the, the list and move on to the next thing. Because I believe God is looking for people with a heart of servant. A heart of being a servant. Mm. 
And so that means, unfortunately, all the time, it means Sundays, it means Mondays, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It means 7 a.m. in the morning, 9 p.m. at the night. I'm going to encourage you to do this. Look for opportunities to serve. Because I believe that all, that there's just so many out there. So many out there. Especially in a culture that is very individualistic and very me-centred. Boy, what an amazing opportunity we have to serve people. Amazing opportunity. If I am doing a bit of a confession, I can get quite frustrated when people don't say thank you, if I open a door for them, or something like that. I need to change my attitude and say, now that was an opportunity for me to serve like Christ did. And maybe I won't, I mean, who knows? Did the disciples say thank you or not? Who knows? But that's not the point. It's not a thank you. It's because we want to be more like Jesus. And Jesus served. And Freddie, my son, we have a two and a half year old boy. Uh, when I, I work from home two, three days a week and, uh, and he likes to, and your butt, he likes to work with daddy. And so sometimes when I go down to make a cup of tea, I will go back upstairs to see Freddie on my laptop, <laughs> doing my sermon notes. Um, and yesterday, yesterday or the day before, I, I went upstairs and he, he got this book out and it was on the desk and he was working on my laptop as well. Um, and this, this, this isn't really a book about serving, this is a book about pastoral <coughs> ministry. But I thought, actually, this is a great title for the life of a Christian. Dangerous calling. Because having decided that we'll follow Christ, we have this dangerous calling over our life. We have this calling that is not about comfort, that is not about being served all the time, that is not about, you know, yeah, just, just a generally just a comfortable lifestyle. We've been given, stamped on all of our heads, dangerous calling. That is, that is who a Christian is. We, 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 we get to be like Jesus. We get to look at stories like this and be like, okay, well, Jesus, he served by doing this. Let's do that. I uh, just, as a church, just want to share, we've had two recent prophecies over us as a church. Um, just quite vague. One, one's about being seen more. And the other was about harvest. 2019 will be a time of harvest. And it's quite vague, but also quite exciting, I think. And you sort of start thinking, well, how are we going to be seen more? Are we going to get, like, you know, new snazzy website? Are we going to, you know, put in 100,000 crowns into our PA system so people can hear us from, <laughs> from Cortadala? Uh, are we going to be wearing a gold medallion, good first gold medallion? Yes. I know a few of us would like those. <laughs> so that could, be, that could be a second optional thing. I don't believe that these sorts of things is what is necessarily going to get us seen. I believe... As we become a people who love each other, or continue to be that, as we really look to serve one another, I believe God is going is to bless us. Because that's what Jesus says. Blessed are you if you do these things. There's favour from God in this. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. As, as Jesus said in verse 34, I know it's some of our favourite verse in the whole Bible, a new command I give you, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I want to encourage you. Serve. Through love, serve. Through love, serve. Don't look at serving as like some sort of like mundane 
thing we kind of have to do because Jesus did it. This is an opportunity to show our love for each other. It really is. Serve. And I believe as we grow in this, as we grow numerically and as we grow in this, I believe that we will truly be a city on a hill. People will come to us and say, wow, you are different. There's something different about you. And yes, it's the presence of God, of course, but there's something different about you guys. Yeah, well, we love each other. We serve. We serve each other. Even sometimes when it's a cost to us, financially or with time or, 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 or however. I believe that with all my heart. I'm just going to finish with reading Isaiah 52. Sorry, pretending to look at my notes, but really just getting a bit emotional. Isaiah 52 says this, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. So will he sprinkle many nations, and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by men, a man of sorrows and and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We just thank you that he is the great servant, that he came from heaven, that he tabernacled here in, on earth so that he could become this sacrificial lamb, this, this offering for us. Lord, I just thank you so much for your son Jesus. We just love Jesus. We thank you that he, he came and he lived and he died all for us. And we just thank you for that, Jesus. And we pray as we, as, we, as we go on this year, Lord, may we never forget who Jesus is. May we always get excited about hearing the name Jesus or reading about Jesus or seeing someone else talk about Jesus. Lord, we just want to get excited about Jesus because of what he has done for us. Lord, it, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's just incredible that God became man, became servant who, 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 who went to the cross for us. And I just pray for us as a church. I just pray, may you, through your spirit, help us, Lord, be a church that just, that just serve each other so well. But not just each other, Lord. I pray that we will go out into the city of Gothenburg and serve Gothenburg so well. Lord, I just, I just thank you for the example you have been. Yes. I just pray, may, through your spirit, may you just help us become more like Jesus. May you help us be more like your son. Yeah. We love you. We thank you. We thank you for everything that's going to happen this year that, uh, yeah, that we can enjoy. Thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness, God. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Okay. We'll finish there. We have...